The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out pokecastersnetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Hello, and welcome to Lucas Lectures, hosted by the big fish himself, veteran Lucas. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's topic. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Lucas Lecture. It's me, Veteran Lucas. Hope you guys are having a fantastic day or night whenever you're listening. Now, today's episode, I honestly had to record it a little bit later than I wanted to. This is still coming out the normal time, obviously, but I had to stay a little bit later because I needed to watch the new Pokemon Direct. To be perfectly honest, wasn't entirely my thing at the beginning, but then I saw the Diamond and Pearl stuff, and especially the Legend stuff, and oh... Oh, do I have words about Legends, but we'll save that for another time. Today, we are going to be talking about the Pokedex. Specifically, we are going to be talking about the Pokedex in the context of a couple of the weird questions that pop up. What exactly is the Pokedex? And most importantly, could we possibly have a Pokedex in our world? Could we have a collection of data easily accessible for everyone to look up plants and animals and fungi all off your phone in the same way that Pokemon does. Now, for all the parents who are listening as their kids are listening and they aren't the biggest fans of Pokemon, let me just get this out of the way. A Pokedex is uh, a handheld computer of some kind that is able to give you information about whatever Pokemon you're catching. Uh, This thing has been a staple in every single mainline Pokemon game since the 90s, and it has been in many of the spinoffs as well as in the anime. This is one of the most essential pieces of equipment in any Pokemon trainer's arsenal because knowledge is power. More information you have, the better off you are. Now, this invention was created by Professor Oak in Kanto, and since then, every region has added their own version to fill out. Like tech in our world, uh, people upgraded it a lot, people added new features to it, people turned it into a phone, people gave it different applications to it. Uh, Eventually, it got to the point where the Pokedex is practically alive because it's possessed by Rotoms. But no matter what, the Pokedex always had the same function. You want to be able to collect as many Pokemon as you can, so that way you can make sure you have all the information about everything in the reason. Kind of got derailed with Galar, but we're leaving that controversy behind us. My favorite Pokedex design has to be the ones from Alpha Sapphire and Omega Ruby that look like the old Game Boy Advances. I loved my Game Boy Advance, and I like that in Diamond and Pearl, they also made it look like a DS, because that was the console at the time. I like their incorporation of that style to try and, you know, mirror your own device, whatever you're playing with. It really, really helps immerse the little ones into the game. Now, with each generation... We also got new entries into the Pokedex about the Pokemon themselves. Each region gives off its own description of the Pokemon and adds new information that can range from groundless and stupid to almost scientific. I especially love the one where it talks about how Lapras was brought back from uh, being an endangered species. Sharpedo's one is exactly the opposite. It's super depressing how they used to be hunted, but Lapras always warms my heart. So with all that being said, uh, one of the main questions I always ask myself when I'm filling out the Pokedex is, why? Oh, Professor Oak, why am I filling this thing out? Because if you really think about it, let's say you're walking to the tall grass with your first Pokemon, and you stumble upon a Rattata. You catch the Rattata. Much jubilation, much joy. Your Pokedex bleeps to life and gives you all this information about the Rattata. 
I thought my job was to collect information about the Pokemon, but the Pokedex seems to have all the information it needs. I, I mean, you, there's two very simple goals in the first Pokemon games. You are to beat the league and collect one of every Pokemon. It's like half the work of Noah and then beating up a couple of adults. It's really simple, but why am I doing it if it already has the information? Why am I going out and beta testing this old man's gear? So my best guess to why we're doing this is because this is Professor Oak's new baby. This is his greatest invention ever, and he needs to make sure that it works in the field. So the way I think of it, if you go back to the Pokemon Direct Legends, if you see what they were using as a Pokedex, it's just a bunch of notebooks. It's notebooks collecting more and more information as you capture them. Well, eventually, all those notes are going to pile up. One of the biggest problems we are having in the digital age is that not all the documents have been scanned to digital yet. It's sometimes pretty hard to find some of this information. Imagine if you didn't have a Pokedex and you caught the Rattata and you say, great, what, what now? What do I do with this thing? You don't know about its temperament. You don't know how big it's going to get. You don't know what it eats. But the Pokedex probably has all that information. So what do you do? You go to your local library. You go searching in doesn't have the Rattata book. It's already been checked out. So what do you have to do then? You got to go to somebody else's region. That's going to probably cost somebody to travel. You're going to have to go and get the book. That's also going to cost somebody to travel. You see my point. It's really, really difficult. Ask anybody who was born before the internet age, and they will tell you that looking up information used to be a pain in the butt. But with the Pokedex, you can now totally walk around and collect this information. Basically, your character is just a beta tester. You are out there making sure that the machine works in what its functional design was, which is to give data to people whenever it spots or collects a certain Pokemon. Again, in the 90s, transferring digital information was in its infancy, so making it like this digital piece of information in your hand used to be pretty impressive. Nowadays, I'm literally staring at one right now because I have my phone next to me at all times. But this does lead to another question. Why are we sending children to do the work? Why am I not paying a whole bunch of money for this pro trainer to go out and do it himself? I'm sure it'll be a lot more reliable than sending my grandson and some punk who just moved into town. But I kind of mentioned why he probably didn't do it. Money. You see, if you're going to pay someone to do a job, you're also probably going to have to pay for their expenses, especially if it's a traveling gig. They're going to probably have to go capture some pretty dangerous Pokemon, so that's going to cost some life insurance. Uh, they're going to probably rack up expenses. You know they're going to stop at the casino. You know they're going to have to play that game in order to get that Porygon, so that's going to cost you a bit of money. This is just way too much for some small-town scientist. So instead, Professor Oak took the age-old tradition of unpaid scientific labor. So this happens a lot in the scientific community, uh, internships, uh, certain grad programs, undergrad programs, where you literally sign up, and instead of being paid money, you are paid in experience. Now, that may sound really depressing on paper, but when I work for zoos and aquariums, it's pretty much how it works. One of the sad truths about the business is you it's not what you know, it's also who you know. Because if you're going to be working, let's say, with volatile chemicals, I really would like to know that the person I am hiring for this job also worked at another lab with this sort of situation going on. 
So it is pretty common and one of the things that scares parents a lot when you tell them, Hey mom, I'm gonna go onto this island for two years for study. Oh, awesome, honey. What are they gonna pay you? Bananas and malaria medication. But no, it really is important to like get those undergrads and grad things done. But Professor Oak is kind of taking this really, really well. The other way that Professor Oak could be seen as using this is using something called citizen science. So citizen science is the idea that you can get average everyday citizens to help with collecting scientific data. No PhD, no crippling debt, no midnights writing paper, none of that. They'll just ask volunteers to help them collect data. Uh, my personal favorite example of this comes from a game called Borderlands 3, where they actually teamed up with a group of scientists who were trying to correct an AI that was going through DNA sequences. The AI wasn't functioning as much as they wanted. They wanted to try and get rid of the glitches. And so they gave people this game to play within the game. Uh, this was a game to point out the different incorrect sequences found in DNA and help the AI learn. So that way, instead of spending thousands of thousands of hours, you could just have a bunch of nerds do it instead. And of course, the gamers got loot and prestige. You can brag to say you were part of it. That's part of, uh, that's part of the reason why you actually get a vote sticker whenever you vote for anything. It's a bragging right. It really helps people when they want to feel like a winner. But anyway, that's something that's really, really cool to see that they are using citizen science in the game. Granted, it is closer to an internship because you're not exactly fully disclosing it. You're just like, hey, one kid. Do what I say. Take this computer and go. You don't really get an option. Citizen science, they kind of have to, you know, liability issues, filling it out. Again, no one's really going to question the 10-year-old running off into the woods. This is Pokemon. They send 10-year-olds into the woods and occasionally give them Pokemon to run around with. Now, to really wrap this all up, we got to ask the big question. Can we have a Pokedex in our world? Is it possible to have an, a life dex for all of the living creatures we know of? And to be perfectly honest... Yeah, kinda. We already are getting closer than most people think. There is an app I know specifically called iNaturalist. Um, it's the best one of its kind. Basically what it does is you can go in, you show what area you're in, and it'll show you pictures that people have collected of the animals that are said to live in that area. So if you go and load it up and you're in where I am, Japan, where I tested it out, it showed me a picture of a bunch of animals and a bunch of plants that I'd seen just walking around my neighborhood and I thought that was really cool uh, this is something that everyone has access to it's free uh, it's not sponsoring us or anything I just think it's neat it is supported by National Geographic and the California Academy of Science so it does have some really good legs and is right now the closest thing we have to a Pokedex the downside is uh, it's incomplete and uneven in order for the app to work, you literally have to take a picture of the animal or plant. Uh, you send it in, and it has to be verified by somebody. And once it's verified, it will be added to the pile of other pictures that have been verified. That all relies on human moderator verification. And if we wanted this thing to be as big as we needed it to be, we're going to need a whole lot more mods. The other thing that's really important to realize is that because of how people behave, certain animals are not going to get as much recognition. If I were to take a picture of a blue jay, the common blue jay in America, there's going to be tons of pictures with blue jays. We're going to know everything about the blue jay because it's a very common animal. With things that people don't like, with certain worms or certain grasses or weeds people just don't care for, that might be another issue where we have less information on it. 
Did you know that there is less information about hornets and wasps due in part because everybody kind of hates them a little bit? It's really fascinating how people's like or dislike for a certain animal can lead to us not knowing anything about them. What's really important to me, though, is that this sort of thing also doesn't have the right number of people for us to want the true Pokedex experience. We need more information, but there's only about 1 million people who have downloaded this app. And 1 million is a pretty good job for a science app. Nicely done, well well spoken, well said, well done. But you kind of want a bit more. So in order to improve it, you would need to add some drastic measures to it. Someone who gave us an idea of just how drastic is a man by the name of Michael Blake. Uh, he led a paper out in 2013 called Biodiversity Into Your Hands, a call for virtual, global, natural history meta collection. He brings up the frustration of finding a cool animal and wanting to know more about a plant or an organism and the info being difficult to track down. The problem is these apps are focused almost entirely on local naturalists doing the heavy lifting. They're not connected to like major scientific organizations who are dumping in all the info that they recently got and all the pictures that they recently got for people to learn more about. So what Michael suggested is that we need to produce some sort of meta collection using mass imaging technology and a global collaboration effect. You would need people internationally from all over the world to get together and help produce this technology, not just for the average Joe Schmo on the street who wants to know a little bit about the butterfly his daughter likes, but also for the avid scientist in the field who wants to know one on Earth just made tracks through his sample so that way he can make sure his experiments or his observations are done correctly. The technology is almost all there. The biggest thing that we need is going to be a better, faster means of verification. It's going to probably need a very advanced AI, but we're also going to need to have moderators go in for almost every animal species and make sure that all the data is correct because information changes over time. Some animals like the panda bear have gone off the endangered species list. So all of those info cards got to be updated in every zoo that has them right now. It's important to understand that science is changing. And so the app would have to change with it. The Pokedex does the same thing in the games. The Pokedex is constantly adding new information and as frustrating as it can be to see like, oh, this Umbreon shoots acid sweat. What? You'll see as it goes further down, as the Pokedex gets older, the information gets a little bit more reliable. You still see the um, acid sweat thing pop up every now and again, but for the most part, it improves. In this day and age, one of the complaints you see about science, the ones that people don't trust you when you talk as a scientist, is that, oh, they just changed the rules, burn the masks, we don't need to listen to them, they're always wrong. And that is understandable. It's frustrating. Humans like dealing with absolutes. Absolute good, absolute evil, absolute knowledge. But science changes. It adapts. It grows just like you. You always have to be open to that new piece of information and be willing to change. Very hard for humans to do. But I feel that we're, we can do that. We've done more difficult things. We've survived worse plagues. We've survived worse efforts. And I think a Pokedex could help us out a lot more. Imagine a global collaboration, all the people coming together to collect all this information and put it together. I think it would be really, really useful, not just for the scientific community, but also for the local naturalists and to get people to understand just how much life 
is right outside their window. And that's pretty much all I have to say about the Pokedex. Yes, it is possible. It is not at its true greatness just yet. But I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful we can get ourselves a Pokedex before I die. Now, I do want to wrap up by thanking our patrons for contributing to this episode. I want to thank all of you guys for listening. I will tell you guys, we are getting real close to passing our benchmark from last year, the number of listeners. I need your guys' help. Please share this episode. If you like what you hear, tell your friends. Leave a review. We read your reviews. This is how we make these episodes a lot of the time now, is we ask you guys for stuff, and you give us some really good ideas. So thank you guys so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day or night. We'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.